Republican State Representative Andrea Topola. The Honolulu City Council race, Andrea Topola. She's going to win outright. I'm Andrea Tupola, and this is my first podcast episode. So welcome to Leadership is a Lifestyle. So I started running for office way back in 2014, and I want to tell you how that all began. We're going to start off from the beginning, and I'm going to take you all the way through and get to answer some of the questions that you've submitted, whether on social media, via email. There's a lot of things going on. 2020 is a crazy year, and people just want direction. And I think the word that they want, leadership. And we're gonna get into some of that because as somebody who's run for office, held office, and now been elected again, I'm actually currently um, going to be sworn into city council in January of 2021. What are those characteristics? What are those things that actually designate someone as a leader and really reflect that leadership and service is a lifestyle? It's not a job because if you only did it part-time, you'd never have, you wouldn't get everything done that you wanted to. So starting from the beginning, where was I born? Well, I was born in Kahuku. They actually don't have, um, what is it called? A uh, maternity wing there anymore. And so I was born in Kahuku, raised in Hawaii Kai. My parents or my father was going to University of Hawaii Law School and he was becoming a lawyer. My mother was still in school. They both finished their undergraduate at Brigham Young University of Hawaii and then they moved out and my mom started pursuing her master's at UH and my dad pursued law school. So we grew up in Hawaii Kai when I was five all the way till I graduated. I attended Kamehameha schools and I loved it. I was a song contest director because I love music and I love art. So I actually designed our freshman year class t-shirt for all of those classmates of mine that remember. And then I went to college at BYU in Utah. So I wanted to go somewhere where I would be stretched, I would be tried, that it would be difficult, and it was. Holy smokes. BYU is a super competitive school. And so I went there for music, and I thought I was pretty talented, you know, song contest director, played piano since I was four, played flute, played ukulele, played a little guitar. So I thought, yeah, I can do this. Wow. So hard to get into the BYU School of Music. So I tried the first time, and my professor told me, you know, I don't know if you really want to do this. I was like, no, I do. He's like, then you need to make a more intentional effort at applying for the music program. So I tried again. I got in my second time and I actually was pretty active in student leadership, student clubs. So I was a Polynesian club president. I was also the student body vice president. I ran for office for my first time in college. And it was this crazy story. Um, because I had no intention of being in student government, but there is this guy, Matt Blackner, that approached me and he asked me if I would consider running with him as his vice president person. And I don't know, it didn't really interest me too much. I just thought, 
Why would I need to do that? Well, I got a very strong impression come to me that that he was the person I was supposed to, uh, I guess, work with. And yeah, so we ended up running. There was nine other candidates that ran against us that cycle, which was kind of interesting because uh, it's kind of, it's a big school, but that that's a lot of people to run. So we had about 33,000 students there. And I remember the night of the election that I think we won by four or 5,000 votes, something like that. And it was intense because everyone who was associated with my team, they were very experienced. They had done this whole political thing and from the messaging to the colors to the handouts to what we wore at debates, which, I mean, we were only in college. I didn't think all of that mattered, but whoa, the level of competition at BYU is like, whoa, super high. So I decided to do it. Super awesome experience. And then shortly after, I decided to serve a mission for my church. So I started in Venezuela, and that's actually where the whole like thoughts of how philosophies of government can affect entire communities, states, and nations. So I decide that I'm going to serve my mission. I get a call. I'm going to go to Venezuela. I don't speak Spanish at the time. And I thought, the heck am I going to do in Venezuela? And so when I went there, it was very intense. Because if you've never lived out of the country, uh, living in a place like Venezuela, it'll shock you because just everything's different. So I, I uh, arrived to Caracas. And when I arrived, we left the airport and there was just, you know, I think maybe six lanes of traffic or six lanes on the ground. But there was, I don't know, eight lanes of cars just weaving in and out and people dodging cars and running across the highway. And I just remember thinking, holy smokes, it's so chaotic. And then we arrived into Venice, uh, Valencia. So I started off my mission in Valencia, which is another city in uh, Venezuela. And same thing. It was... There was a lot of chaos and I remember we were going to a stoplight and the guy who was driving, he was an American and he was going pretty fast and the stoplight was getting closer and closer and I was like, are you going to stop? He said, oh no, 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 you don't need to stop. You can just honk and then drive straight through a red light. He said, all the laws, they're just suggestions. I was like, are you serious? Am I going to live here? So I started to acclimate to the culture, the people, the customs, the food and I loved it. Uh, I loved everything about it. I learned so much. Um, I did get sick while I was there. I got parasites. It was tough. You know, the level of um, medicine is different than in the United States. And I remember thinking, wow, the kind of government they run here, they, they get so many free things. You know, it could be free housing, free education, free medical. At the time, the president was Hugo Chavez, and he was running a socialist platform, and there was a lot of you know, free things that were being given out to the public, but there was an unrest. There was an unrest, there was a lot of riots that were happening, a lot of um, unjust things, of course, a lot of military enforcement in the streets. And so I came back from Venezuela and I remember thinking, I wanna be a part of empowering people, of being and living in a place where you can make decisions for yourself, where you can work hard, and be rewarded for that and that the government's not going to take take it away from you if you work too hard they're not going to take it away and give it you know to the lowest socioeconomic class that they're going to reward you for the hard work you've done and and that you can be this contributor to society in a way that other countries weren't allowing at the time 
So I return back, I get married, we move home uh, to Hawaii, and I, I have my, my daughter, and I'm pregnant with my second daughter, and I, I finished the master's program. So I was at University of Hawaii, and I, I went to get my master's in music education because I thought, I'm going to be a professor, right? I'm going to teach music. This is going to be the dream. So... I finished my master's degree in 2011, everything great. Uh, we ended up buying a house in Waianae and I I love it. My daughter starts to go to Punanaleo and my kids start to get immersed in the language and the culture and just everything was great. I began teaching at Leeward Community College. I was a professor of voice and choir and I was living the dream. It's everything I wanted it to be. And then in 2012, I saw, you know, candidates getting out there talking about socialist reform and, you know, different ideas. And some of the ideas I had heard about already in Venezuela and they had, you know, they had tried to implement some of them. And I saw some of the effects of those policies and I thought, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to start helping a candidate. So in 2012, I, I helped. I jumped in the presidential race. And I mean, like just I was like a manini, a little small little volunteer. Um, and it was, a, it was a great experience and the candidate that I was helping ended up losing and I didn't feel discouraged. I felt like it happened for a reason. Now what the reason was, I don't know. So I started to continue to get involved. I asked people, you know, where, where's all the good people at? Like what, where's all the people that, that are helping communities? What, what, what more can I do? And people said, you should run for office. So I thought, why would I? why would I run for office? I'm a voice teacher. They said, no, we need more people to run for office that don't have their own agenda, that just want to serve the people, and and you'd be great. And I thought, mm, there's got to be other people. So I started to, you know, kind of go out, see who was my representative, and who else is running for office, and it was pretty eye-opening, <laughs> to say the least. I was not as impressed and so I thought well I wonder if I could run for office and is it similar to what I did at BYU when I ran for student government I guess we'll see and I had had an impression come to me that I needed to do it and it was it was a pretty strong impression that that I needed to get involved and it didn't make a lot of sense to me because I really didn't know even where to start. And I brought it, brought it up to my husband. And of course, he was like, you're not running for office. Nobody in this house is running for office. And I asked him to pray about it. And so in 2013, I, I decided that I was going to do it. It was, I want to say Mother's Day, because I remember we were at dinner and I told my husband that I'm going to run for office. So then I put together my campaign. I start to think about, you know, what does it mean to run? What do I have to do? Uh, create a website, raise some money. And I start asking questions to people who had previously held office, who were holding office. And I garnered that, that what you needed was to raise money and talk to people. So I was like, all right, I think I can talk to people. I don't know about raising money, but I could try. And so a lot of people asked me, you know, where, where are you going to run for office? I said, well, I'm going to run in White and I because that's where I live. They said, where are you from? I said, I grew up in Hawaii Kai. So they said, you're going to lose. So I thought, okay. 
people ask me, do you know how to raise money? I said, no, I've never raised money before. How much money does it take to, to run for state house? I got answers between 30, 50,000. And so I thought I could do it. I said, yeah, I think I can do it. They're like, but you've never done it before. You're going to lose. I said, yeah. And then people ask me, you know, what political party are you going to run as? I said, well, I'm going to run as a Republican. And I felt like I resonated with, with some of the, the issues like less taxes, less government, more empowerment, supporting local businesses. And so... I decided that that's what I was going to do. People said, but you're going to lose. And then I ran in 2014. So this was the year after I decided. I think I ended with $57,000 that I raised for my first time. And I won the election by, I think it was 54%. And it was, it was great. I won my first time. I unseated an incumbent. She had been in there for eight years. I really didn't have anything against her, actually. I just thought that if the community would like me to serve, I would like a chance. And if they don't want me to serve, then that's okay. And so after I was elected, I thought, okay, let's get this done. Let's go into the state house and let's clean up. You know, let's, let's let the people's voices be heard. Let's work very, very hard. And my goodness, what a rude awakening for me. <laughs> As somebody who's never been involved in government, it does not happen overnight that you can create impactful change. It, it's this steady course that you have to run. It's this steady, everyday, trying, contributing, helping, understanding, listening, um, building, mentoring, all of these things that had to happen in order for change to be created in Hawaii. And I started to really dig deep and, and I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna start to help recruit other candidates. I'm gonna build a candidate academy. I'm gonna help to mentor you know, new candidates that are coming up. If, if I, as a music teacher, was able to do it, anyone can do it. It takes hard work, it takes some dedication. You gotta love your community. So I started to do that. Um, shortly after, two years when I ran for my reelection, I became the minority leader. I started to see the need for more voices for a balanced government, for just, I don't know, fresh perspective. And so I decided to run for re-election. I got re-elected. It was, it was great. I love my community. I was doing so many awesome things and I loved it. I loved doing cleanups. I did young women prom events where we would gift prom dresses and talk about the importance of self-empowerment, self-worth, um, messages against domestic violence and I ran that every year in fact I still run that every year and I I did an annual emergency preparedness conference I did town halls when I was a legislator for four years I did 41 town halls on everything from block lanes to high suicide rates to the dangers of sex trafficking to uh, illegal dumping lots of different issues that the community was bringing up I would host these town halls we would meet even if it was just 10 of us, I remember one town hall we had at somebody's house just on their porch because it was about a park that um, the association had been dissolved and the park was not getting taken care of. People were concerned. There are abandoned cars there, some crime. 
So we had a little town hall about it because I thought, well, it's an issue. Let's convene with people who want to help address it. And the point of the town halls for me was not about me. It was about hearing their voices and then coming up with a strategy where we could address the issue. Now, did the strategy involve government support? Some. Uh, did the strategy involve community empowerment? A lot. <laughs> because I'm, I'm a heavy believer that there's a lot that we can do for ourselves, with our community members. And in those events where government falls short, then I stand in the gap. And as the representative and now as a incoming city council member, I need to stand in that gap. And I need to be able to say, hey, let's all come to the table and make this happen. Whether it's getting a permit to clean Ulehava Canal or whether it's why are these gates locked at the beaches, whatever it is, I'm supposed to stand in that gap. And as a leader, as somebody that was chosen, to lead my community, it's it's my responsibility to listen and then to try to do something about it. And I can't do everything about everything, but I'm a pretty good strategist and I feel like some of the solutions that I've come up with are free and they've been very economical for the community as well as for the government and it's really inspired people to get more involved and to take ownership over this place we call home over our communities and and start to really contribute in a way that we become more connected. And for me, that's why I've I've developed this theme of leadership is a lifestyle. Service is a lifestyle. And I believe that because it doesn't just happen from eight to five, Monday through Friday. It happens all the time where you're thinking about ways that you can help and when you need to lead, you lead. When you need to just be a member of the team, you're just a member of the team and you help out where you can. But I do believe inside of me that I feel that burning uh, to be that public servant, to be that person for the people of Hawaii, for the people in my community, so that they can feel that empowerment, so that they can feel that ownership and and that sense of of worth and that sense of safety. And I'm just so glad I'm super happy and thankful to have this new chapter of my life. I am finishing my doctorate degree in music this year and it's not like a sad time because obviously if you're getting your doctorate it's like amazing, it's a happy time. But it was difficult for me uh, to see that I had lived my life in such a way where I've built these years of loving music and pursuing education in this music uh, arena and then kind of taking a little step over, well, how would you describe it? Not a step over, but just a new path, creating a new path, a new groove and becoming a public servant. It's kind of like, I feel like I'm on my second career and... I love both. I love my family. I love music. I love my community. And one of the things that I learned in this, in the election in 2018 was that you can't compartmentalize your life. You can't put, you know, your family here and then campaign and then put your campaign here and then your schooling here. You just, you have to live everything simultaneously. It has to be a balance of all, meaning When I campaign, I bring my kids with me and they're by me. They get to talk with me. They get to see me. They get to interact with me. And 
it's not nothing different. It's not like mom's campaigning, so we're going to go to the movies. It's we are all part of creating change and I ran for office and therefore we're all supporting the community as the Tupola family and I love it. So I hope you enjoyed this first podcast and I'm going to share more with you on the next one and get into some deeper topics of the things that you brought up. But I really wanted you to understand where my heart was and where this philosophy of service is a a lifestyle and that that leadership is is not a part-time job. And I hope to see you on the next podcast. Aloha. She's going to win outright. She doesn't have to campaign all the way through November. And we are joined by Andrea Tupola, now live through Zoom. Thank you so much. Congratulations on your victory tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.